Hello, everybody. I'm Clay Brees, and it's showtime here again in Berks County as we're getting into the another beautiful Saturday afternoon right here on AM Radio 11 WFYL. As we've been doing this for so long, for five years now, folks, we've been entertaining each other on this show. You've been tuning in to us for the for the uh, for the truth that we that we give you at the speed of sound. It comes very quickly. And uh, you've been giving us your ear every Saturday afternoon, committed, committedly giving us your ear, because you know that we that we will give you the truth. And we you also know that you'll get a perspective you don't get anywhere else. And I also believe it's because you know and you want to listen to our expert opining on these issues. So that's why you tune in. Whatever your reasoning, folks, we do appreciate it. We 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 want to we want to get right down to it. Last week we talked a little bit about the uh, Hawaiian fires, and we we're making comparisons of what an effective, efficient government looks like from 1870s versus the ineffective, inefficient government of today. And I think what's interesting is we were looking at the best comparison we could possibly make, which was the Great Chicago Fires, uh, which burned 2,200 acres. Um, you know, in uh, 2,100, uh, 2,112 acres, if you will, and uh, 17,000 plus buildings with about 300 deaths <clears throat> compared to today, very similar death totals, unfortunately, uh, very similar burned acreage, if you will. The difference is the Chicago fire was put out in 24 hours or less by the effective, efficient city government and the effective, efficient firefighters who had the horse-drawn carriages at the time, I mean, and also uh, who had the, the hand water pumps to 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 stream the water into the fire sort of like a power squirt gun uh also you need to realize in 1871 they were still they still had trains in this country that were running on timber don't miss that folks i mean in 1871 there was we just got out of the civil war okay uh they they didn't even have iron ships other than the iron ships if you will the american the monitor if you will, the uh you know i mean other than that um uh, I just think it's interesting that you did not have a lot of the technology you have today. I mean, in 1871, they were still burning, you know, they still had uh, timber-fired, you know, motors, if you will, uh, trains, if you will, power trains, um, dirt roads, uh, wooden sidewalks in Chicago. I mean, wooden buildings, wooden sidewalks. I mean, honestly, folks, uh, the, the, it was just unbelievable the, how primitive we were back in 1871. They didn't even have the repeating rifle at the time. They, they were still using the single-shot guns and so forth. It's unbelievable what you had in 1871 compared to today and the technology we have today with the with the fire hydrants on the side of the roads and, of course, that the pressure that comes out of those hydrants is unbelievable, strong pressure. Uh, the, the trucks with the capacity to be able to throw that water two, 300 yards, if you will, certainly uh, 200 yards easily into a fire break if you will uh, uh they've got fire retardant that can drop from the sky from helicopters behind the fire lines and create fire lines prevent the, the fire from spreading and combat the fire attack the fire from behind the fire line and literally put out these fires but that didn't happen ineffective inefficient city government in in in, in maui if you will and and the island of oahu uh did not use the sirens we know that the sirens did not happen and, of course, they're blaming climate change on all of this. Okay, that's the main thing you have to realize. They're not blaming an efficient and effective government. They they let this they let these towns burn, okay? They turned the water off. Um, it's just unbelievable that 
um, that they're out there and that they're they're trying to declare this is this is effective government and blaming all of this tragedy, if you will, the sensationalism of it all on climate change instead of blaming on the tragedy itself on incompetent government. This is what's amazing to me. You actually have the media out there now allowing this to happen. I mean, John Podesta is out there right now putting out the 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 uh, you know putting out the, um, uh, the 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 propaganda that the Inflation Reduction Act is the solution uh, because they're going to fund uh, this this problem they have in Hawaii. They're going to they're going to basically help the, these people with the money. I, they're they're in here. Got their, their they got their checkbooks open. The fact is, they're blaming climate change for the fire and the deaths. And, we on this show in Southeast Pennsylvania, in the land of objectivity, we're we're blaming ineffective, inefficient government. I mean, when you think about it, okay, the evidence of all of this is Mau- Maui County is filing a lawsuit in state circuit, in the Second Circuit Court, if you will, in Hawaii, against Hawaiian Electric and its subsidiaries on Maui, alleging that the company failed to maintain the electrical system and power grid during a windstorm that lashed the island, resulting in three different fires that erupted on the August 8th that burned for 10 days. The lawsuit claims that the utility known as HECO, or Hawaiian Ledger Company, acted negligently by not uh, preemptively cutting power, despite a warning the day prior from the National Weather Service of high winds and temperatures, along with low humidity, there were prime conditions for a wildfire. So they're blaming Hawaiian Electric. But, the, but uh, you know, the utility has also been faulted for spending money on green energy alternatives rather than improving the safety of its transmission network, which had been identified as a potential source of wildfire risk in recent past. So what's interesting is, uh, obviously, they, the Hawaii always has issues with, 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 you know, dry area, dry weather, like they do in Florida. Uh, Florida, the dry season in Florida is actually uh, February, March, and April. The dry season in Hawaii is, is likely now. But whatever the case is, it doesn't matter. Uh, it was the dry season in 1871 that brought on the Great Chicago Fire, as well as the same year, the wildfires in Wisconsin that burned 10,000 plus acres in there. And, you know, so, I mean, you've got droughts that take place everywhere. But all of this is similar. Uh, they're basically, this case is similar to what happened in California when the Pacific Gas and Electric Company. Uh, their network had been blamed for uh, sparking several massive wildfires in their years. So what's happening is you've got these people are saying, okay, let's use the let's use the uh, the lawsuit that took place in California a few years ago blaming those wildfires on the electric company as well. I would say, folks, again, I would blame ineffective and efficient government, but you really can't sue the government, I guess. But but you you can understand, folks, they turned the water off. They they waited too long. Okay. Uh, there were issues with the water being turned on. That's something we can know happened as well. Um, you know, firefighting crews were battling the fires for, like I said, 10 days. Okay. Uh, the acreage that was burned in Hawaii uh, was about 2,170 acres. The acres that was burned in the Great Chicago Fire was 2,112 acres. So very similar in acreage. And, of course, the uh, the number of buildings was about 2,200 in Chicago. I should say 2,200 in Hawaii, but it was 17,000 in Chicago. Okay, that's that's a big that, that's a big difference. But you know, it's it's amazing because the, the what what happened was the uh, you know what the uh, it was the, uh, the the people, if you will, that, that that were in charge of city government. They they basically allowed this to take place. They didn't sound the alarm. They did not use the emergency man. 
emer- the Maui Emergency Management Agency, okay, uh, did not handle it right. I mean, they didn't use the alarms. They were using texting. They were texting people, telling them about these fires. They didn't use the, uh, they did not use the uh, emergency system because they were afraid because they always use that for, for tsunamis. They were afraid that people would confuse the warning with a, a wave and an ocean wave coming in. So they would run to the hills and into the fire. That's what these ineffective, inefficient uh, uh, Maui Emergency Management Agency employees and directors were thinking. My goodness, we sound the alarm. These people are going to run into the fire. So they didn't use the alarm system. They didn't. But I think the, the main thing is, uh, again, as the investigation goes on, you're looking for competent. You're looking for what was competently handled. I also think they're, they're, they're comparing this to the, to the deadliest U.S. wildfires. Um, it's interesting. I was looking at an article in a Reuters, and they were comparing this to actual wildfires that took place uh, in 1871, 1918, 1894, uh, 1881, um, 1910. Look at all these wildfires that took place. Only about four of them took place uh, in the last um, 50 years, okay? You had one in 2017, one in 2018. You had one in 2020. And then you had, uh, so it was three of them just right there in three years. And then you just had this one here. So, uh, you know, again, uh, 2023. So literally you've had, in five years, you've had four fires. Okay, which I think is pretty compelling. Um, or I should say six years, you've had four fires. So uh, anyway, but it's it's just interesting how that is. But they were they were comparing it with wildfires. I compare it with the Great Chicago Fire only because it was similar to what happened. But make no mistake about it. I mean, uh, I, I just think it's very compelling as to what happened and, and, and the damage from it and all. But I mean, um, it, it's not a wildfire. This was a this was a fire that took place that could have been handled. I think when you look at what happened, and I thought all that was interesting was it took Biden like two and a half weeks to get out there. So he finally got out there the other day. Bill Biden, he gets out there and him and his wife get off the plane and they put a lei around their neck. Now, a lei is one of those Hawaiian flower necklaces that they put on. Now, leis are usually put around the necks of passengers off of cruise ships. You know, when you're on a cruise liner and you're getting into Hawaii on a cruise ship, you go to Hawaii and they welcome you with a lei. Okay. And they, that's what they do. That's like a welcome token, if you will, of Hawaiian people in the state of Hawaii. So he gets off the plane. Uh, he's he's looking into the, the into the eyes of the he's looking into the ground, if you will, the, the death all around him, and he's got a lay around his neck. Then he eventually takes the lay off because he realized it wasn't a good photo op. Then he started talking about his burned his, his Corvette that he lost in a fire one time, and he goes, "I really understand what people are suffering with, man. I lost my Corvette. I couldn't believe it." So here's a guy in a desperate attempt to connect with people. Uh, not connecting with people, but instead showing people how he's unable to connect. As they're suffering from loved ones or neighbors or family members, friends who burned to death or are still missing in this fire, families that were hiding in closets that were burned up in their homes. Um, as, as he's wading through all of that, he's talking to people that have lost, really lost in a fire like this. Um, he comes back at them with the Corvette that he lost. It's just it's just a lack of connection. And of course, the media, because the media is not looking to connect with truth here, is just going to allow him to get away with it. Okay. They're not going to promote that. There's not going to be any outrage from a reporter saying, I can't believe this guy is getting, now you're going to hear it, the outrage on this show. Here we are talking about it, but make no mistake. I mean, the outrage here is one source of it, but I mean, I'm amazed there's not outrage everywhere on this. 
you know, and again, it comes back to an effective and efficient government. I mean, when you look at, you know, when you look at what happened and, and of course, you look at the fact that so many of these people, uh, you know, the director, if you will, of the, uh, you know, of the, uh, uh, the emergency, the emergency, the Maui Emergency Management Agency, okay? I mean, they, they were just incompetent people. These people likely got their jobs because of someone they knew or because of a friend or relative or nepotism or something. Or maybe they got the job because of reasons that they were born with, okay? Um, reasons that, you know, just 10 years ago were completely illegal, okay? To identify on people and to use for reasons of not hiring, okay? Well, now those those reasons are being overlooked and they're hiring people because of those things. It's just an unbelievable phenomenon. So they're singling out reasons people were born with and saying, okay, people, reasons that um, characteristics people have no control over whatsoever, characteristics they're born with, and they're hiring them based on those characteristics. That's something you don't want to miss. Well, because you put them in for those characteristics and not because of competency, not because of the ability to manage a situation, not because of the intelligentsia horsepower, the intellectual horsepower that will allow them to effectively manage through an emergency management situation, okay, and to handle a crisis, okay, but because of characteristics they were born with. Now, think about that. Then think about that. That's a mediocrity, okay, and that's what we have in Hawaii. Well, in, 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 in most cases, the incompetency of a mediocrity it just results in ineffective government. For instance, long lines at the DMV, uh, you know, lost payments and parking tickets, uh, you know, in, in misplaced parking ticket payments and paperwork not matching rights. So people's driver's license getting suspended for no reason or, uh, you know, just, um, uh, you know, uh, just ineffective inefficiency in a government. Okay. Um, and we can all go through it. I can, I, I don't want to spend the entire 30 minutes here, the remaining 15 minutes talking about. Um, uh, characteristics of, I should say, examples of ineffective and efficient government. We all know what it is. But you want something handled ineffectively and inefficiently, look no further than city government today. Okay, people have jobs based upon nothing more than who they know or characteristics they're born with and not because of merit and ability. And uh, that's the truth of it. And those people generally don't understand customer service because they've never, they've never been able to hold on to a job where customer service was required or or quality uh, service was required of them. In other words, an ability to look past a yelling customer or an upset person and get past it to be more compassionate because your intelligence enables you to look past that person's emotion. See, intelligent people can see past emotion and, and get to the root of what's causing that person trouble and understand that they're there to help serve them. That's, after all, Public servants are what work or whom work for uh, are public agencies, okay? It's public servants, okay, to protect, to serve. This is what it's all about, but not in a mediocracy. Mediocracies are totally different. These people have the job and they feel uh, entitled to because they know somebody or because they're entitled to based upon characteristics they have, they were born with. They feel somewhat entitled to it for some reason, and that entitlement eclipses any kind of compassion they might have as a service provider, if you will, in government. So when they're dealing with people, you can see the chip on their shoulder when you go. Take the DMV. Just go to the DMV and uh, wait in line at the DMV and see the people there and see the level of service that's coming from the people behind the counter. I'm just telling you, 
it's just and then and then go to a retail outfit and see the level of service like you know at some of these other retail stores and you can see the level of service in these places where they're actually listening to people trying to sell them something trying to meet their needs try to craft a solution if you will craft a solution that uh people uh you know that uh you know that that's going to be the best thing for the consumer you know in business you understand that if you want to survive in business you have to take care of the customer the customer will then take care of the business if you take care of the customer the customer will take care of you with their business you know you you find out what people want and are willing to pay for and you provide that to customers that's what business is all about and then of course the growth and the, 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 the growth and development of a business is based upon how they can do that and expand that to more people in more areas. But in government, it's totally different. Okay, in government, these people are there for the sake of, you know, I'm, I'm here, I got a lifetime job because I know people. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not very good at what I do. Otherwise, I wouldn't have this job. I'd have something else. And so a lot of these people get these jobs and then they, you know, through the years have demanded more money and wanted more money, of course, because, you get what happens when city government grows and county government grows and state government grows. What happens is the number of people dependent on the politicians for this, this, this sustenance, if you will, the sustenance of their job becomes more and more. For instance, the U.S. government has about 2.7 million employees. The U.S. government, now state governments are large as well. You take all 50 states and the governments and all the agencies that the governments have in these states, these state governments, you take all these employees, okay, you're looking at millions and millions of people, all of which are, all of which are sustained by the preservation of the government bureaucracy. And this is what, this is what I think you have in this country right now. You have tremendous amount of people, probably, probably tens of millions, okay, Uh, certainly over 10 million that all vote, okay, now, if you want to include the public school teachers in that mix, everything else is certainly over 10 million. It's probably closer to 15 million. But whatever, when you're looking at the total population, 10% of the total population that work right now is likely, um, you know, of those ilk. And I would even probably submit, I've heard numbers, I can't corroborate them, but I'll mention them anyway because I can. It's my show. I'll talk about it. But I've heard numbers that 40% of the 40% of the workforce in America today works for some government agency somehow. And I would say, folks, that's probably pretty close because if you actually look for city, if you actually look at the government itself, you're probably close to about 15%. But that doubles when you look at all the agencies and all the industries that are sustained by by the regulations that are formed by government. For instance, when the EPA says uh, contaminated ground must be handled a particular way, contaminated ground soil in Pennsylvania has to be handled a particular way. So how it's handled is, and you got to you got to do this, you got to do that. There's there's a process to handling the, the ground. How far to dig down? Uh, you how far to dig past the the contamination source? What to do with the contaminated soil? How to how to decontaminate it, if you will, and then how to put it back decontaminated, okay? Or what to put in its place as you take it out? You got to put something in the hole. So all of this takes place. This is an immense amount of money, and all the jobs that take place. These industries that start up whose sole purpose is to excavate ground that's contaminated. Understand that. So when you look at contaminated soil, they say, okay, what if the landowner says, I'm not doing anything with it? Okay, well, that's your that's your privilege. You're a private landowner. You have contaminated ground. So you can choose not to do anything with it. 
Okay, so what does that mean? Well, it means that you don't do anything with the contaminated ground and it just sits there. So for 15, 25 years, it sits there unused until which time somebody wants to check the ground for soil. Now, they have it written in the law and statute. Likely, they have it written in there somewhere to where uh, after a certain number of years, um, they can they can thus declare it decontaminated without checking it. But I don't know what that number is. I don't know. It could be 100 years. I don't know. But I mean, right now, when you have in, 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 in Pennsylvania, you have landfills that were closed. They were closed. And they're building homes right at the landfills or on the landfills. This is what's happened. Okay. So we've got the uh, the building of houses on closed landfills, but you've got businesses that can't that want to start up on vacant ground, but because of contaminated soil possibilities and, and what happens when they the cost of getting rid of it, they won't let them do it. So they can say, well, you can't build on it, but you can let it sit there. Well, what's the difference if I was to build on it or if I was to let it sit there? What's the difference? It's still contaminated. You know, it's interesting when you look at it, and that's kind of my point. Okay, so city government can't make you spend money to fix it or to correct it, but they can prevent you from utilizing your property. That is wrong. I mean, the Environmental Protection Agency. So the industry who is sustained by handling contaminated ground, that industry, okay, um, makes money because of the regulations of the city and the, and the county and the, and the commissioners and so forth, and the states and the and all the regulations and so forth. That's what happens. So you have this. And what when I was making this comparison, I thought it was interesting because in 1871, you didn't have any of that. All you had were people in public service in 1871. 1871, you were the mayor of the city of Chicago. It probably was not a very high paid position. I mean, you had political clout because you did have some government jobs. There were some government offices that were there, but you had the ability to control the police likely you were able to control the police because the mayors do control the police in the cities but i mean so you did have some power but but the bottom line is they put people in positions based on merit not not on anything else and that's why chicago was able to put out a fire like the great chicago fire in less than one day and the ineffective inefficient government hawaii was completely incapable of handling that fire and quite honestly, people died because of the incapabilities of city government and, and the and the Maui Emergency Management Agency. I believe that there's something to be said here. I'm still wanting to I'm still waiting for the facts. What started these fires? Why couldn't they be contained? Why where was the fire hydrants? Why weren't the trucks lighting up on the fire hydrants, creating firewalls, preventing the fire from jumping from street to street? How did they not able to contain this? with even incredible systems they have in place in Hawaii, not to mention the military bases that are there and the military personnel that's there and the military apparatus that's there and all the civil defense apparatus that's in Hawaii that is there that they could have brought in to put out this fire. Where was it all? Where was the governor on all of this? Where's the outcry in the media for the governor to do research and find out what really happened? Where is that outcry? You know, what we're missing right now, folks, is we're missing the outrage in the media. What you're getting a lot of is a sensationalism, you know, the emotion, the raw emotion of what happened. And then they then they throw in the climate change reason for this. The reason for all this misery was climate change. Now, I would say the reason for all this misery and suffering was not climate change. The reason for the misery and suffering was the, was the ineffective, inefficient government that 
couldn't figure out which end was up, couldn't figure out how to alert people, and certainly couldn't figure out how to put out a fire. And that, my friends, is something that, that I want to get answers on, as all of us do. And I guess there's a lawsuit going on right now blaming the electric company, but I think there'll be some other aspects of that lawsuit that come out later. We'll see. As developments occur, we'll report them right here. But thanks for tuning in. That's all for now. We'll have to leave it there. Thanks for tuning in to us this afternoon on this beautiful Global Warming Saturday right here on AM Radio 1180 WFYL. See you next week on The Watchman, folks. I'm Clay Brees. Goodbye for now.